0: greenie with mike greenberg the podcast
1: back and better than ever greenie presented by progressive insurance my guests on the Goodyear hotline the stars taking the stage a mile high last night putting on a fun show while the man in charge has a lot of things to say plus shafty drops an absolute bomb on aaron Rodgers, and you decide the one thing in sports we need to change all that more in the hopper let's go here we go. Go, go
0: only one place to start
1: Absolute no doubter to left for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Being around, is so many talent. The best baseball player in the world. I just want to make you get better and just
0: appreciate it and just have fun. And the American League wins
2: the All-Star Game 5-2. Just for the fans to be able to be in the ballpark and to be here for you know,
0: an All-Star Game is pretty awesome.
1: That was a good night for baseball last night, and I hope everybody enjoyed it. For last night, it wasn't about the players who weren't there. It wasn't about spider tack. It wasn't about any of the nonsense that baseball just too often gets itself into. A lot of optimism around the sport, and the primary reason, if you watch that game, is youth being served. I think there is an argument that can be made that Derek Jeter has never really been fully replaced as the face of the sport. If you ask people out there, the Q ratings, to name a baseball player, he might still be the first one that most people mention. Alex Rodriguez might be the first or the second. Mike Trout has just never shown any interest in being that guy, and that just is what it is. Not everyone is meant to be that. Trout's a great baseball player, and that's all he's obligated to be. Bryce Harper has never quite become that. Maybe because he's not quite good enough. Maybe because he's not quite likable enough. Maybe because his team is not quite relevant enough. One way or another, when Harper came up, I thought maybe he'd become the face of the sport. Trout certainly has the game to be the face of the sport. But now we enter the new generation. And when Vlad Guerrero Jr. is being named the All-Star MVP last night, at the age of 22, the youngest MVP in the history of that game— when he homers in the game, and only Johnny Bench ever hit a home run in an All-Star game younger than Vlad Guerrero Jr. is now. And you look around the field and you see Fernando Tatis Jr., who's also 22. And unfortunately, the injury to Acuna is a devastating blow, but that's a 23-year-old star who will be back. And Juan Soto is 22. And Shohei Ohtani, the biggest story of them all, is 27. Maybe, just for once. We can talk about great young players in baseball and not talk about exit velo and not talk about spider tack and not talk about the shift and not talk about taking your starting pitcher out after five innings. Maybe just maybe we can actually have a conversation about a lot of great young players in the sport for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No one loves that more than my main man Hembo. Hembo, what was your number one takeaway from the All-Star game last night?
2: This was the best week that baseball has had since before the pandemic. It was a great way to highlight all of the talent around the game. Obviously, a lot of the young talent that you mentioned to me is really the biggest story here. The Derby was outstanding. Pete Alonzo put on a show that was an outstanding event. And last ratings night ratings
1: of that were huge, by the way, if I they may. They were. Mm-hmm. I, I saw I think they had the biggest rating they had in five years for that event. So yes. that's
2: good. That that was a monster rating and a great event. And last night, look, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is amongst a handful of young players, of which, you know, you mentioned four or five of them that I really feel like are sort of grabbing the bull by the horns and taking baseball into its future, into the next generation. When you say that baseball really hasn't ever replaced Derek Jeter in terms of having a face. That's not something that we're using lightly. We actually have a way to measure this. And when ESPN asks sports fans, who is your favorite baseball player? More of them say Derek Cheater than any other active player. To this day. To this day, as in 2020 data that I obtained last week from our fan and media intelligence group. So in other words, these young players have the opportunity to take that mantle which one does it, that's what's most interesting to me. Well,
1: there was a moment in time, and anyone old enough will remember it, when there was a, I believe it was Sports Illustrated cover photo that had three young, budding superstars who all played the same position at that time. And one of them was Derek Cheater, and one of them was Alex, and the other was Nomar Para. and the three of them all panned out. Mm-hmm. They all turned out to be great players, and they played... Uh, Alex didn't, but the other two played, you know, in these legendary franchises and all that kind of stuff, the Yankee Red Sox thing. There were a lot of ways that that all got built up. One way or another, this feels like maybe they try to head down that direction. I'm a little tired as one who was I love the sport, and I've loved it all my life. It is just so fashionable and easy to just say bad things about baseball. And I think one of the, re- well, A, they bring some of that on themselves. I have to be fair. They bring some of that on themselves. A lot of the labor stuff a lot of people still have sort of hard feelings about that. A lot of the, the steroid thing has stuck to them in memory more than mm-hmm. it has to other sports, even though I, I think they went further into it than anybody else did. People attach a lot of negative stuff to them. And then there's another reason, and that is that it is the hardest sport in which to live in the minutiae, which is to say, if you're a talk show host like me, Baseball is a sport that you have to live in every minute, every single day, Mm. if you're going to cover it the way we cover basketball and the way we cover football. And that's much harder to do because in basketball, there's three games on television on a given night and they have seven stars. And that's really all anybody wants to talk about. In football, they play once a week and you can throw a dart in any direction and fans are going to be interested in baseball, if you're going to cover it the way you would cover other sports, you're going to be getting into a pitching change that was made in the seventh inning last night and, and, and taking your starter out now and all these and the stuff that you can't live in mm-hmm. in this. So instead, the easier topics are, well, uh, what's going on here? Is this bad? Spider attack, steroids, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So what I want to try and do here, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise, is live in a place where we're going to celebrate these young, good players in baseball, and let's be into it. Season starts, second half of the season starts tomorrow. Yankees-Red Sox standalone game. Very interesting. A lot of really good teams in the hunt. Let's see what winds up happening.
2: Baseball has gone through plenty of ebbs and flows historically, but you know what has always saved it? The players. Mm-hmm. The players have always saved it because the players are the ones we care about. They're the talented ones that can save the game no matter how much the game tries to get in the way. And the fact that yesterday I got to watch a 22-year-old Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a 470-foot home run while Fernando Tatis Jr., another 22-year-old, was mic'd up live when it happened, is about as cool as it gets. That's where baseball is going, and that's where baseball needs to go. Yeah,
1: and, and it's time to stop comparing its popularity to football. That's, that's their stuff to worry about. If you're a fan, what do you care? You know, I was Embo and I were having this conversation this morning. Golf is my favorite sport. When I'm watching golf over the weekend, I'm not sitting there thinking to myself, "Boy, I wonder if this will be good for the rating. Boy, I wonder if this is in the big picture good or bad for the sport. Like, I never have that conversation with anybody. I'm just watching a, an event that I like. And, and, and that's how we feel about baseball here, and so that's what we're going to do, and, and we'll get into it. Now, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, did have some interesting things to say, and one of them, he addressed this topic that we blew up into a very big deal yesterday because of your frustration mm-hmm. over the players that didn't show up. And this is what he said, quote, We have a basic agreement provision that with certain narrow exceptions, participation in the All-Star game is mandatory. We will, post-All-Star Game, review with the union how all of the people that didn't come fit within the exception to the rule. We bargained for that, and we intend on enforcing it. So I don't know what these narrow exceptions are. Do they include cowardice on the part of the Astros players? Does that fit within that? Does it include just a desire to spend more time with family? It It cannot include, I just want to be at my best for the second half. It can't include that. It cannot. I don't believe you can force players to play. Particularly, you cannot force pitchers to pitch. Mm-hmm. But I, you can force them to show up. Absolutely. And, and and to your point of the other day, it's not too much to ask. And I don't quite understand
2: this narrative that so many people believe that you almost have to choose between your player or your pitcher performing in the All-Star game and them also being healthy in the second half. Name literally one example of someone's season being ruined aside from Ray Fossey, <laughs> from playing in the All-Star Game. Like, what, p- give me give me an example. Give me the pitcher who blew out his arm in the All-Star Game and it ruined his career. Uh, for I those who
1: don't know, Ray Fossey is the one who got trucked, steamrolled by Pete Rose <laughs> in the All-Star Game something like 50 years ago. Yeah, that's that's right. what I love about Hembo. Hembo can drop a 50-year-old reference anytime. Uh, time. That, that happened before I was old enough to be paying attention. <laughs> what year was that, 1970? That's right. Something like that? Yes. The,
2: the, the most common piece of feedback I got yesterday on my rant was Said, I'm way too young to have done that.
0: Yeah. And
1: And, and that's right. But people don't know you because (laughs) you're a perfect example of your chronological age and your emotional age being two totally different things. Oh, yeah. Your chronological age is what? I'm 31. You're 31. You were born in what year? 1990. Okay. I think that your emotional age, you were born sometime in the mid 40s. In my
2: dream world, I was born in the mid 40s in New York, and I grew up a Giants fan. And I, <laughs> I think
1: you would, you would, you, you grew up in a time when men wore hats. Oh, yeah. That's what I, I picture you wearing a hat.
2: A hat and like a suit to the ballpark, sweating through it, and watching a doubleheader at Ebbetsfield. You
1: know, my dad uh, did that to, uh, throughout his life, my father would wear, would be dressed to go to games. Really? My dad, we would go to, um, Nick games and Jet games were primarily the games we'd go to, and even late in the season, freezing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's a Jet game. It's, you know, it's this 1976. We're three and 10, <laughs> and it's like a December day. Oakland is beating us 51 to nine. Mm-hmm. And my dad and I are under a blanket. Like, we literally would have a blanket with us that right. we'd bring to these games that we kept in the trunk of the car. But he's in a sport jacket, right? My, my father was dressed, and Nick games a suit, always, huh. always. That's just, you know, that's the way it was then. You would have loved it, <laughs> okay? <laughs> as, we, as we continue. Well, the question of the day is about the All-Star Game and All-Star Games in general. We will get to that. Plus, news yesterday that suggested to me we have seen the end of one of the greatest careers in sports history. I'll get to that and more as we roll on. You're listening to Greeny on ESPN Radio. changed the franchise every place he's gone. So if he can cap it off by leading a team that has never won a championship, I will forever remember CP3 as a Phoenix Sun.
0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Toobin. Tomorrow starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2.
1: Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. A <laughs> uh, with you presented by Progressive Insurance guests on the Goodyear Hotline. So I'll get to the news that I saw yesterday that suggested to me that we've seen the end of one of the greatest careers ever in just a moment. But here we are talking about how last night was a great night for baseball, and I want to spotlight that. I want to talk about the young stars in the sport. I want to take a day where we're not talking about all the things that are wrong with Mm -hmm. baseball, and we're talking about all the things that are right. And I just open up the first story that pops up on my timeline, and the first sentence is, It was a storyline that overshadowed the game itself. Normally, players wear their normal uniforms with an All-Star Game patch, creating a beautiful, unique collage of players. One of the many things that makes the sport and All-Star Game iconic. It goes on to talk about how the number one story coming out of last night was how much everybody hated the uniforms.
2: (laughs) That was the first thing I saw on my Twitter timeline this morning, too. Everyone destroying the uniforms. A few weeks ago, Greeny, you and I sort of scolded people for overreacting To Major League Baseball's release of them They put out some pictures And they weren't that popular And I thought it was silly But after actually watching the game last night (laughs) I think everyone was right And I think that we were wrong I'm not sure which which unit was worse Like the, the National League guys They're wearing white on white and they're almost, like, transparent and very, very unflattering. To Especially Max, Max Muncy looks like he had eaten Jose Altuve. And the, <laughs> and the American League, you're wearing navy blue on navy blue. You never see people not w- wear blue baseball pants. That's something that you would see in, like, a, a Twilight Softball League sponsored by a bail bonds company. I think everyone was right about that, and I was wrong.
1: Well, let me ask Bubba, because Bubba's the one I, I generally go to on things like this. And many of you may not know this, but... Uh, Bubba, before his very successful career in radio production, uh, had a fashion line. It was it was uh, pants by Bubba. It was very successful um, and knows a lot about it. Bubba, what was your takeaway, uh, using your extraordinary fashion sense, from the uniforms in the All-Star Game last night?
0: Well, it's uh, what I said weeks ago. They were pretty awful. <laughs> I was uh, not a fan then, and I was not a fan last night. I would agree with the assessment. I don't know what they were doing, what they were trying to do. They were it made no sense. Just wear the normal jerseys. They were trying too hard.
1: I can tell you what they were trying to do. Mm. How much did you tell me that a Jacob deGrom All-Star jersey was going for?
2: $160.
1: Ah, so you could wear one he never wore. It. I mean, you, know, you could get the one they made for him. How much How do much <laughs> you there think you, you, you could go. get for the one they actually made for deGrom? DeGrom's actual jersey? Yes. Probably 199 Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would pay for that. That'd be a keepsake someday. So anyway, <laughs> we'll live in that a little bit. Greeny here presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. The scoop. The scoop is bad. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I know it's not something everyone is interested in. But if you appreciate greatness, then you would have seen with with a sigh uh, yesterday the news that Roger Federer said he experienced a setback with his knee and will not play in the Tokyo Olympics. If you've not paid attention to this, Roger, during the pandemic, had to have surgery on his knee. Missed almost an entire year. Came back, played through the grass court season, which includes Wimbledon, which has been one of his best events. He got knocked out by his standards pretty early there. Got knocked out in the corners, quarters at Wimbledon. Now he has, quote, experienced a setback and will not play in the Olympics. He's, he says he's going to try and make it back in time to play in the U.S. Open. But I will just say this. Roger Federer turns 40 next month. It is time to face the fact, if you love the sport or just appreciate greatness, that it may be over for one of the classiest, most brilliant, most beautiful to watch athletes of all time. I can tell you personally. My, my, uh, I love tennis. I grew up playing tennis and I've always loved it. My mother is the most passionate. Te- my mother is to tennis as Hembo is to baseball. She loves it. So every year, even now that she lives in Southern California, she comes back for the U.S. Open. And one year as a present, I got her like uh, we went we took her and my dad and we went we were able to go down into the players area and meet some of the players and mm. all that kind of stuff. And when I tell you Meeting Federer is, is, I don't know how to describe it. It, 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 it's, it is, he has a presence about him hmm. that is unlike almost any other athlete I can think of. He has a Jordan-esque kind of presence about him. The way people react to him. He's, he's just, he's one of the most easy to love athletes, great athletes that I can ever think of. And look, Novak Djokovic is going to wind up with more slams. But Fed will always be my favorite of this big three. And I think a lot of people will feel that way. And it just got me to thinking, it's hard to say goodbye to greats. You know, have we seen the last on the biggest stage of Roger Federer? Have we seen the last on the biggest stage of Serena? Who in in the pantheon of all time greatness in the sport goes right next to or maybe above Roger. Have we seen the last of her on the biggest stage? Have we seen the last of Tiger on the biggest stage? And the really scary one, have we seen the last of LeBron on the biggest stage? We're talking about immortals. We're not talking about just great players. In Roger Federer, you're talking about indisputably the Mount Rushmore of male tennis players through its history. And if you wanted to argue the greatest ever, you could. In Serena, I think we we're talking about inarguably the greatest female tennis player of all time, and I believe on the Mount Rushmore of the sport, depending on how you wanted to look at it, whether you separate the men from the women or not. In Tiger, you're inarguably talking about the Mount Rushmore of the sport of golf. I think I would actually put him at number one all time. Jack has more majors. His his prime lasted longer, primarily because of injury to Tiger, but he's certainly in that discussion. LeBron, it's debatable. LeBron, certainly this time next year, that might, this may sound like a ridiculous conversation to have had if you know he and the Lakers are, are winning another championship. It's remarkable that Brady is not even in this conversation. He'll be 44 in August, but he's obviously not anywhere near being done. He's a defending champion, and he's got a team that everyone expects him to. But it's just those are going to be hard ones to say goodbye to. For those of us who love tennis, saying goodbye to Federer and Serena will be very hard. For those of us who love golf, we already said goodbye to Tiger. I, I said goodbye. I was under the impression we had seen mm. the last of the great of Tiger, and he came back. Can he do it again? I guess it's not impossible, but I think it would take a miracle. I think for him with what he's now been through physically, again, I think it would take a miracle for there to be another one of those moments. LeBron, obviously, that wouldn't take a miracle. It feels likely. But it's just it's something I think about a lot. And I think if you're like me, Hembo, you're – you know, younger, everyone working on the show is younger than I am. I think people my age will relate to what I'm saying, that if you measure your life and the passage of time in your life by sports to the degree that I do, it's very hard sometimes to internalize how when time goes by that you've seen like the entirety of a player's career. Like Hmm. players retiring when you were a little kid is something that like old guys do.
2: Was there a player for whom that first struck you as, like the person that you, you remember them entering the league or starting as a pro, then finishing, you thought to yourself, how did I get here?
1: Yes, of course, a million of them. I mean, more than I could begin to count. Uh, just using the sport of tennis. I go back to John McEnroe. I go back to, to Jimmy Connors. I go back to Guillermo Vilas. Then I, to use your exa- analogy, I, I saw all, I saw the beginning of Pete Sampras and the end of Pete Sampras, mm. the beginning of Agassiz, the end of Agassiz. and basically every great basketball player that has come through since. I remember celebrating when the Knicks won the, the draft lottery to get Patrick Ewing. I saw the entirety of his career. I mean, that's my point. Like mm-hmm. you're, You may seem 80, but you're actually only 30. Mm-hmm. You'll feel this way someday, too. Vlad Guerrero Jr. won the All-Star Game MVP last night. I remember when his dad came up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, you know, all through watching, I remember Bar- I remember Bobby Bonds. Mm. I remember Ken Griffey Sr. That- that's the point. Like, how old you are. I, I love it when people will post things, on Twitter that says, um, like, uh, quote tweet this with something that will tell us how old you are. Yeah. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? I've seen the those. The sports. I like those. And, and there's not always sports. Like, there's a lot of things that can tell someone how old they are. Like, do you have any recollection of a phone that you dialed with your finger and you spun the wheel around?
2: I- I've, do you I've even know what I'm
1: talking about? My grandma has one, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we were just there last week, I remember. She I, still I, has
1: one? She still has one. All right, I, don't know if, I, don't, I don't know that I have anyone in my life who has one, <laughs> but the ability to dial a phone number really fast is just a lost art. That's just gone. That's just something you'll never, you'll never see again. No one will ever do it again. There are a lot of things like that and, and things that have gotten phased out in sports. Anyway, I didn't mean to get this sidetracked into all of this, but I, I, do, I, I do find myself interested in that, and so we'll see. That news yesterday made me feel a little wistful. I think we've seen the end of of one of the genuinely great careers in the history of international sports. I mean, of anyone ever in any country at any time. And is there a
2: an athlete more universally beloved than him? Because when you watch him play Djokovic, for example, at Wimbledon a few years ago when he lost that excruciating match, it was it was Djokovic against the world. The world was rooting for Federer, right. and I'm not sure there's anybody that we can say that about anymore. No, at I, least
1: not to that degree. Correct. The sport isn't as popular in this country as some others, mm-hmm. but he is as beloved Everywhere on the planet, he he, is, he has home court advantage <laughs> every match he plays, regardless of where he's playing it. He would have it in Serbia playing Novak. Uh, I mean, probably not there, but <laughs> they, they don't play a big tournament there. Sure. Uh, but he has it in Australia, and he has it he has it at the French Open when he's playing against uh, Rafa Nadal, who basically owns that Yeah, event. that's right, too. He certainly has it here in New York. Mm-hmm. He has it in New York when he plays Americans. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's that universally beloved and deserves it. I, I, I talked yesterday. Phil Mickelson is another one who goes in this category. If you demonstrate that you care about the fans, they will love you forever. Right? No one is better with the fans than Federer. Anyway, I didn't mean to get quite so sidetracked into that, but I just found it quite, quite, very interesting. In the meantime, you ask these
0: questions. Greeny's question of the day.
1: So the question of the day today is going to involve phone calls. So get ready to call right now. Here's the question of the day. Coming off of our debate over penalty kicks yesterday, I can't stand them. Hembo loves them. We talked about them at length. That just is what it is. I would change the way they determine the winner at the end of a soccer game, be it in the Euros or the World Cup or wherever else they hold those. That's my opinion. I'd like to see it changed. So my question to you today is, what is one big thing you would like to see changed in sports? 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. Call now. And we're going to spend some time on this because I've always found it to be entertaining and interesting. I'm not looking for something silly. Today I'm looking for something real. Like what, what happens in a sport that you think should be changed? It doesn't have to be something, I guess, quite as important. Like I would change college football over time tomorrow. Tomorrow I would change it. I hate it. I find it totally contrived. I find it a ridiculous way to settle an event that matters, much in the same way that they they feel about penalty kicks. So I would definitively change college football overtime to something different. That's an example of what I'm talking about. Again, I'll give you a moment to call here at 888-SAY-ESPN. Hembo, do you have one?
2: I definitely do. I am obsessed with this idea of head-to-head replay in baseball. Here's what I mean. I think that it's outrageous that the umpire has a split second to make a decision, and yet the manager and his video guy upstairs have a minute, seemingly, to, over, or to, to, to request to challenge it. I love the idea. On the spot, a safer out call at first place, we use the example. A player, the player, the base runner or the, or the position player, depending on how the call goes, they challenge the call within five seconds of it happening. So if you're Javier Baez, you're running to first base, you think you're safe? You're called out within five seconds. You have to put your hand up. You stand right there next to the umpire as as the replay is being shown on the jumbotron, and it's you against him in real time. So none of this nonsense up in the booth.
1: Okay, I like the idea. You know, I, I'm to use another tennis analogy. Like we all watch when a player challenges a call in tennis, and everyone cheers, mm-hmm. and you see the ball. But if you've watched tennis, you know what I'm talking about. But in tennis, it's so easy. Yeah. Like a ball is either in or it's out, mm-hmm. and that's it. And there's so are you are you suggesting that any player could challenge any call they want, any time they want? No, I think
2: this would only really work for safe and out. But since those, no, I get that. But right. you could
1: do that on every single bang bang play.
2: Yes, but if but you could also you could also um, put, put, put an incentive in place for which if if, if the player is the wrong. If the player challenges, if the player it
1: and challenges, and it, challenges, throw him out
2: wrong. of the game. The Always can, thrown out of the game. The, <laughs> the umpire can, Javi. You're out. You're, you buried the lead there, Hambo. T- That's the best part of your update. So it's you against the umpire, and the umpire can toss you if you get it wrong, but the umpire stays if he gets it wrong. No, how about if the
1: umpire gets thrown out if he's wrong? Three-man crew? Yeah, now we go to the, the smaller crew, or you have like someone standing by ready. Bringing the guy for, <laughs> to, to replace the ejected umpire? Yeah, I, I, like, I want to see an ump ejected just once <laughs> in my life. Okay, I like that okay, idea. Not too silly? All right. No, well, the ejecting the umpire part is silly. <laughs> Uh, the idea that of a spot, of changing the way they do replay challenge in baseball is, in a bigger picture, I'm a 1,000% with players you. Players do it,
2: not managers.
1: All right. I'm told that the callers are ready to go on this thing. Give me something you would change in sports the way I would change the penalty kicks in soccer. 888-SAY-ESPN. Bubba, who's first up? Let's go to Steve. Steve, give me something you would change in sports.
2: Hey, Greeny. I would like... It's already kind of happened
0: this year, but I'd like to see the NBA do, start their season later and extend through the summer like they are this year. I just don't like that. There's only one sport, and it's baseball, and I I'm not a fan of baseball in the first half of the season anyway. But I'd like to
2: have at least two sports through the summer to watch.
1: Okay. Hmm. So you want to see... Let's say for the sake of argument, we got to get them out of there before football starts though, right? Like we can't have that. We can't have it leaking past Labor Day. So we're going to put the NBA finals in August? Is that the suggestion here? Started on Christmas Day. That's their biggest Mm -hmm. day. You could stretch out the schedule a little bit so you would get less fetching from the players about how tired they are. And maybe you would cut down a little bit on all this load management. (laughs) And you could play the finals. I mean, we have it here as it goes. The finals, if they go to a Game 7, it's going to end July 22nd. Now, these were unique circumstances. And they needed to get it done because the Olympics start literally the next day. Game seven of the NBA finals would be Thursday, July 22nd. The opening ceremony of the Olympics are Friday, July 23rd. (laughs) These are uh, unique circumstances, we hope. We never have anything like this again. I'm with it. I I kind of like it. Hmm. They'll never do it. it. From a financial standpoint, it's not a good idea. But I don't care about that. I care about the fan. If you're a fan... I kind of see the thinking there. I kind of do like it. I kind of do like it. I don't like Plus, it. kids could stay up late and watch the games because they're not in school. That, that is true. But the summer commands so
2: much vacation time and stuff. Mark Cuban has talked about this before. The league has discussed it. I don't think it would actually work. That's their work. problem.
1: That's their problem, not our problem. As a fan, would it be better for you? I don't I, mind watching the game on vacation. I think
2: fewer people would watch the finals in mid, mid August than would in mid June. Fair enough.
1: Again, not my problem. The, the, <laughs> You'd be choosing not to the watch. The fans That's are their the ones, problem. Th-
2: there would be fewer fans watching. That's what I'm saying.
1: But the fans who really want to watch would still watch. It's the people who have nothing better to do on a cold night. Well, they're not going to be cold at. Well, whatever. It's an, <laughs> I, I don't I don't dislike <laughs> cares how the cold idea. It is? Steve, we're getting too deeply into these. <laughs> Bubba, who's next? We
2: got Matthew.
1: All right, Matthew, what are we changing? Man, how you doing? Um, Good. Big time listening. Thank you. I feel like w- they should change the way that the All-Star game is going, man, because, I mean, I watched it yesterday. It's still kind of subtle and boring, but I feel like if you just was to throw fastball pitches instead of having players trying to figure if you're changing it up, it would be more exciting, bro. More hits, more runs, more RBIs. You know, the crowd would get more excited. Because if you look at it versus the NBA and the in on the Pro Bowl games, it's more exciting. You know, players – is experiencing more, you know, they're getting more talented out, you know, making better catches, better shots, you know. Mm -hmm. But the baseball, man, it's just still a game. You know what I'm saying? It's not an all-star game and you're not seeing hits. So you're saying not to do – they need to change – He's suggesting they're changing something that will make the All-Star game different from a regular game so in, it would be in the way like the others limit,
0: are. Yeah, like limit what type of pitches you can throw. So, I see. So yeah. a pitcher just throws off fastballs. You're only allowed see, to throw but the fastballs. Pitchers, see, I like
1: the idea in in principle, but the the pitchers will never do that because they don't no. want to get humiliated. Of course not. The other way to do that would be that the pitcher has to tell the batter what pitch is coming, which would also be fun, but it'll never happen. The thing about – baseball's all-star
2: game that we all like is that it's the most similar to an actual game. There are pitchers throwing 90-plus and batters trying to hit the ball. The other three sports, they're really more exhibitions. That's right. the thing I like the most about baseball.
1: Right, which is why I liked it when there were stakes in the all-star game. I go back to the greenie rule. You all yelled at me. It was a good idea. Putting some significant uh, stakes on the outcome of the all-star game, like home field advantage in the World Series, was a good idea. And I don't only say that because it was my idea. It was a good idea. That would add to the tension. It would add to the significance of it. All these guys might show up uh, if that were going on. All right, I'm going to break on that thought, but I want more of these. All right, 888-SAY-ESPN is my phone number. We're going to come back with more calls. What's the thing you would change in the world of sports? This is rolling along. We're going to take more of your phone calls as we go. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio.
0: H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y.
1: Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement... Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. All right, it's Greeny with you, reminding you the finals here right on ASPN radio. Tonight, game four, Bucks Suns presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 8 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. We'll get to some other uh, matters, but I want to take a few more calls on this because i like it. and We didn't get as many as I planned there. With, with, with me being as down on the penalty kicks as I was at the beginning of this week, something I would change if I could in the world of sports, I threw out the question to you, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 Give me one thing you would change in sports, one real thing you would change in the world of sports if you could. The calls have been good. Let's keep them going. Baba, who's next? Let's go to Blake. Blake, what would you like to change? Hey, uh, how you doing, Greeny? Love the show. Thank you.
2: I would change offensive foul calls, um probably, probably extending out to the whole key in the NBA, but I don't have a great solution. It's just not a beautiful play in the NBA.
1: So you're talking about the the little arc that they have there, you would bring yes, it sir. Out, you would bring it out to the key. Yeah, the whole key. Yeah. So hmm. so out uh, that, that's beyond the free throw line. So the restricted
2: area is the whole paint, pretty
1: much. It, it's, his, it's the whole paint and, and like the sides of the paint. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. Huh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really. I'm, have, I'm nonplussed. Specific. I don't really have a reaction to that. I got to give it some thought. I mean, we're suge- I, I, this is a man who feels we need more blocking fouls or more charging <laughs> more calls. More charging calls in the NBA. That's that's what we're missing. We don't have enough charges.
2: It is a very unsatisfying play, though the way that he described, like it's very unscientific, and you have Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy yelling at each other, two basketball experts, over us, like in slow motion. It is unsatisfying. I see his I point. I that. Your,
1: that's how you're fixing it, though, is it? And that's I don't think that moving the arc is going to be the yeah. difference between the bang bang, like a bang bang call, a, ju- a bang bang judgment call is always going to be I think that. So. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I. By the way. How did they call a foul on P.J. Tucker the other uh, night from that? Criminal. That's the worst call criminal. <laughs> I've ever seen. Uh, Bubba, who's next? We got Devin in the control room. Devin. Go ahead, Devin. I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but go ahead, Devin. <laughs> What's one thing you would like to change in sports?
2: Greeny, we need to get rid of the 10-yard holding penalty. It should be five yards. It happens way too often. It's a drive killer. I hate it.
1: Okay. So so I find that – so Devin put that in my, in my the in the Google Doc, in the legendary Google Doc as mm-hmm. a suggestion. I actually don't hate that. I think how you feel about holding is, is greatly dependent on who your quarterback is. Devin, remind me who your team is again. Uh, the Giants. It's the Giants. See, so for some teams, a tenure like like for Patrick Mahomes, a holding call is like a hiccup. Let's say don't even pay attention to First that. Thursday twenty. For the Jets, you might as well just punt. <laughs> if, if, if you are, if you get the Jets' offense the last few years. If they get a penalty for holding, literally, they might as well just punt on first down. Just save us the rest of the, Save us the time. Just run. You know, take three knees if you don't want to put your defense back on the field that quickly. But hold, a 10-yard holding is an insurmountable penalty <laughs> on that trap. Basically, a 10-yard holding equals a Hail Mary. You're just going to throw it up for grabs.
2: My, I, the one I hate the most is when they'll throw the, the uh, one-on-one Hail Mary down the field and it will wind up being a 55-yard pass interference right. penalty. That's the one I don't
1: Okay, see. I'm with that too. What's next, Bub? who's our next caller I don't mind that one Devin it's actually by your standards that's actually a very good suggestion why thank you Bubba who's next (laughs) let's go to Robert Robert you're on ESPN radio have you got a suggestion What would you like to change in sports good morning Greeny how are you excellent thank you good okay Two quick things in the NHL. One, I want to get rid of the shootouts. I want them as memorable as dodo birds and passenger pigeons. Okay. As dead as dinosaurs. You want to go back to ties, or do you want to play out overtimes in the regular season? I wanna play out I wanna play out over time and if there's ties, if they wanna decide after two periods they wanna tie, okay. But the
2: most important thing I want to get rid of, Greeny, is that stupid penalty when you shoot the puck over the glass and it's called delay of game. How mm-hmm. the heck is it a delay of game? <laughs>
1: I think, I, I, look, I, this is not a sport to, to which I know as intimately as I do the others, but what they're trying to do is keep players from doing that on purpose right. to stop the game in, in a moment so that, to, to use that as an advantage. They like call it something Something else. bad is happening. I'm just going to flick the puck over the, right. over the glass yeah. so that everything has to stop. I think that's what they're trying to get out of the sport.
2: And I think it sort of works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do, too. And I don't want to put, I love the call, oh. I love the enthusiasm, but I, I don't mind the ties. See, I always get yelled at for this. I don't mind the ties. We had tie games in hockey for 100 years, and I've done the research. No one died from it. We had tie football games in college football for 100 years. In the NFL, look back at great NFL teams. They were always like 11, 2, and 1. 11, 1, and 2. Games ended in a tie all the time, not the end of the world. It's just another item in the, in the standings that matter. It's better than a loss and worse than a win. So you don't like to shootout in hockey either? No, I'm okay with the shootout in hockey, but my point is I, I think the shootout is better than having the players play endlessly all night long during the regular season because that, that really is a much more challenging. To me, that's just as physically grueling as playing extra time in soccer, so I, I don't mind the shootout as if you want to prevent the tie. Like the shootout to me eliminates the tie. If, you're, if your priority is eliminating the tie, I can live with it. I think it's a decent way to do it, and it's exciting and fun and contrived. But I don't mind the tie. I, never, I think baseball games should end in a tie. Ugh. Play a baseball game. Happened. If it's still tied after 12 innings, it ends in a tie. I'm okay happened. with it. Could you imagine Manfred announcing that? <laughs> imagine how they would react to Rob if he said that? Give me one more quickly, Bubba. Go. <laughs> Let's go to Chris. Chris, give me something you'd like to see changed. Yeah, I'd like to see the uh, um, college football change their One foot requirement down for reception to two foot like the NFL. I just think it makes more sense. So you don't like the one foot down. Uh, that's an interesting one. These to have me. been very specific. Changes. I know, I know. The li- you know what? But that's a beauty of yeah. this. Like, I love these are just little nitpicky. I things mean, what, and is people- the, what is the alternative,
0: Hembo? I don't understand.
1: What, no, a big thing, a broad like change. Getting rid of penalty kicks. That's a huge change. Is a big difference than changing <laughs> the one foot down, two foot down. <laughs> let's erase all the, the unwritten. Ru-
0: let's erase all the unwritten rules in baseball. Here's your broad one. Let's okay. do it. Well, we haven't gotten no, so we haven't
1: yet heard from Bubba. We haven't yet heard from Nuno. We will as we continue here. Plus, if you haven't heard from Shefty, if you didn't hear what he said on his podcast yesterday, trust me, you need to be sticking around here in the next couple of minutes because I'm going to play it for you in its entirety, and you're going to realize it may change everything for the biggest story in the sport. That's next.